we didn't do a very good job there in the second half. We weren't on track. We were off track a little bit, and uh, we lost our balance. Never really had it, really. We were kind of one-dimensional throughout the game. Our running game suffered, uh, and, uh, you know, we pretty much one-dimensional. What is up, y'all? It's your boy. It's your boy. It's your boy. Shave the mohawk, take the Jordan tattoo off your cap, and play some ball. He's the best to ever do it. It's that simple. And go up there with the 12th man, the 13th man, the 15th. You can bring your grandmama's choir out there. Nah, but for real, you gon' have to see me. Everybody wanna be famous, but nobody wanna put the work in. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome y'all to the Quinn Mail Show episode 7 and I think I'm in my feelings ladies Turn Oh I'm excited Episode 7 of the Quinn Mail Show Thank you for joining me I got new software Can you tell me See how seamless that was I have new software Yeah this is a I'm just showing on people. You didn't even know I could do that. But you know what? Just turn it up one more time. One more time. Here we go. We're going to get to it. All right, cut it, 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 cut it. What is up, y'all? Welcome to the Quinn Mail Show on the Mayo Please Sports Network. This is episode seven. And uh, I'm in my feelings. I'm happy. I'm excited because I got new software, ladies and gentlemen. But but most importantly, we're here talking football. Week two of the NFL is in the books. We're going to talk about the Redskins. And, oh, we got a lot to talk about. Oh, we're going to talk about Kirk Cousins. Oh, we got a lot to talk about. Oh, we're going to talk about, you know what? Let's start it right here. I know you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm about to say. I know what I'm about to say. Vontae Davis, two-time Pro Bowl corner, the Buffalo Bills. He decided that... uh Sunday's game against the Chargers, he just wasn't feeling it. He wasn't. He was in his feelings, most definitely. <laughs> he was in his feelings. He said, you know what? I'm, I'm not playing the second half. Simple. I'm not coming back out. I'm not putting my shoes on. I'm taking off the pads. I'm taking off the socks, the cleats. Everything has to go. I am leaving now. So he proceeded to do so. He did not suit up with his team. After uh, after halftime, he put on his street clothes and he he went home. Vontae Davis retired from the NFL at halftime, and that and that made me think. For one, wow, the Bills suck. <laughs> like, let me just let me just let me just the Bills suck. The Bills suck. But let's not go to the Bills just yet. Let's talk about a little bit more about Vontae Davis. I've never heard anything like this. I'm pretty sure you haven't heard anything like this. So everybody was trying to wrap their head around. The notification that hit their phone when they when they heard that Vontae Davis retired at halftime. Now, this is going to go on my top three wildest sports stories I've ever heard in in my time on this earth, watching sports, indulging in sports, loving the games, the, the different sports, basketball, football. This is probably the wildest story I've ever. But then I thought to myself, I said, self, myself said, hmm. What other stories have been quite, quite interesting that have kind of caught you off guard in the sports world? So I got a top three. So number one, I'm going to put Vontae Davis at number one. Vontae Davis retiring at halftime is probably the wildest thing I've ever heard of in sports. Number two, 
I'm gonna have to go Jameis Winston in the snow crab leg gates. That's what we call the crab gate. That's what we're gonna call it. The crab leg gate. There we go. The Jameis Winston crab leg gate. If you're not familiar, Jameis um, was caught stealing crab legs during his time in Florida State, and uh, that that pretty much sums it up right there. He was stealing crab legs. He's a, he's a Heisman Trophy winner stealing crab. Anyway, that's a that's a very wild story. So I thought that was pretty wild. And my third wildest sports story that I've ever experienced or seen or heard of. It's like a three A and a three B. I got Gilbert Arenas. You know, I'm a huge Wizards fan. And I'm completely unbiased, though. So if they suck, I'm going to say they suck. If John Wall's not playing well, I'm going to say he's not playing well. If Bradley Bill can't shoot in the clutch, I'm going to say he's not clutch. If Otto Porter is always hurt, I'm going to say he's up. I don't care. Basketball is basketball, and I keep it strictly about business. But enough about that. Gilbert Arenas was, one, arrested for possession of over 100 pounds of fireworks. Hmm. That was pretty... That was pretty crazy to me. And my 3B, I think we all know what this is. When Gilbert brought the, the strap, he was strapped up. I'm not talking defense. Strapped up in the locker room, came with the gun to, to show Javaris Crendenton he meant business. He wanted his money, and he wasn't leaving until he got it. So those are my top three wildest sports stories in the history of me being on this earth. Is it, can, can I call it that? Well, I, I, I like it. So let's give me a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. I, I definitely appreciate that. All right, now cut it out. How do I stop this? There we go. Just stop. There we go. All right. So we got a really, really fun show today. I actually have another show in 30 minutes um, in the field podcast with my boy Jay Miles, John Bird, and of course, Dr. P. I'm also on the Mail Please Sports Network. So make sure you go check that out. And before we really dive into everything, um, make sure you follow me on Twitter and Instagram at T O Q M underscore. Have a lot. Of, we have a great time on my social media accounts, man. Um, we chatted up about sports. I mean, if you love sports as much as I do, or maybe even more, I don't know if it's possible. We can talk about it. We do a lot of discussion, a lot of arguing, a lot of banter. It's just a, a really open place for all sports fans to come, which is my Twitter account and my Instagram account and just talk sports in a way that I only know how, which is authentic. So also make sure you subscribe to the Mayo Please Network. Follow the Mayo Please Network on YouTube and on SoundCloud. And uh, is that it? Is that all my shameless plugs? Oh, also, um, oh, subscribe to me on YouTube, Quinn Mayo. Just type in Quinn Mayo. I will pop up on the way to 3K, not talking Andre, Andre 3000. So uh, let's get back into it really quick. Uh, Vontae Davis, I don't want to dwell on this too long because I want this to be a nice, clear-cut, precise episode of the Mayo, please. Quinn Mayo show, excuse me. Um, so what Vontae Davis, when he retired from the game, what, what he said, his... His statement that he put up on Twitter, I did not have a problem with. I mean, if he had just retired after the game or, you know, during the offseason and, and this statement was released, I would have been perfectly fine with it. He said his body just wasn't feeling right anymore. He just didn't have it in the tank. He had no more left in the tank. He had to get away from the game. He had to walk away, and that's why he walked away. But the timing is what's off. You're in a you're in a game where it looks like you're quitting. It looks like you're quitting on your team, your teammates, and obviously – when I played football, my my teammates were my brothers. My teammates were my brothers. So, if anything, if I ever felt like giving up, if I ever felt like not going hard, I would do it for my brothers. I would push through for my brothers because I didn't want to let them down. So, you know, they they, they signed Vontae on a one-year deal. So, I mean, 
I don't know if he had the time to build that brotherhood with with his teammates, but Lorenzo Alexander said it best in his post-game interview. He said, you just quit on us, and uh, I'm going to show you as much respect in this post-game interview as the respect that you showed this team, which was very little. So I I think it's 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 low. It's it's sad. And it's not like we we didn't we're nobody's asking him to play, you know, the rest of the season. We're not trying to force you into another, you know, 16 or well, 14 games, 13 games, but at least finish the half. I mean, my goodness, you, the team, it, yeah, you're you're getting beat pretty handily by the 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 Chargers. But you can't play two more quarters before you decide to call it quits. It's a sad, sad tale. It was just a very weird situation. I saw Vernon Davis reach out to Vontae um, <clears throat> on Instagram. I think he sent him a video or posted a video saying, you know, your career is not ending. It's just getting started. And really warm words. And I don't think people that know Vontae personally took offense to it. Um, well, they don't hold it against him, perhaps. But I think it's just a bad look in general not to even finish the game. Like I said, my thing is if you can, you could have just strapped it up for two more two more quarters, you know. Or you could have told your coach, you know, I just don't feel like I have it. And they could have replaced you with somebody. Like, you didn't have to walk out on your team. And you didn't even stay the full game to tell your players after the loss, hey, guys, look, you know, we lost. I left it out on the, I left all of it out there on the field. And, now you, you know, I think I'm going to walk away from this. You just left during half. Like Lorenzo Alexander said, he found out while he was walking out the tunnel from one of his 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 teammates. It wasn't like a formal discussion like, hey, guys, look, I'm not going out there. I'm retiring. It was just like he disappeared. He told a couple guys and, you know, everybody else heard it through Grapevine. So really, really weird stuff in Buffalo's locker room. But um, <clears throat> as a side note, the Bills are they're like <laughs> – like I said, they suck. They're a mess. Not only did Vontae retire at halftime, but the defense has also given up a league-leading 78 points in two games. Maybe that's why he left. I mean, I don't think he – he did not play the first game of the season. Um, he did play the second game, obviously, and he only played two quarters. Um, but they're giving up 78 points in two games, and the offense is garbage as well. 31st in points scored in two games with 23. The only team worse than them in the league right now, the Cleveland Browns. No. Excuse me, Cleveland. I'm so sorry. It's the Arizona Cardinals who have only scored six points in two weeks. Also, it's kind of a weird thing here talking about Buffalo. You got head coach Sean McDermott. He took over the play calling duties for the, from defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier coming out of halftime. Now, you know Sean McDermott does have a defensive background. Uh, Leslie Frazier did used to coach for the Vikings for a few years. But it's just a mess in Buffalo. And then you got LaShawn McCoy, who I believe fractured his ribs. He's going to be out for some time. So, it's not a not a pretty pretty not a pretty time in Buffalo. But enough about Buffalo. I know why you guys click play on this. I know why you do. It's not because of my charming looks or my my voice that just seems to captivate the, the souls of you all. It's about the Redskins. It's about the Redskins. What I know about the Redskins, how I'm plugged in with the Redskins to a certain extent. What I know in my in my opinion of it. And I appreciate y'all coming here for that. So let's talk. Redskins um took a loss to the Colts on Sunday. Bad loss, bad loss, very bad. And then off the tail end of them losing to the Colts, they add uh Brashad Perriman, wide receiver, and Michael Floyd to that wide receiving court. Now, nothing could seem to get started on Sunday. I think uh Adrian Peterson had 20 yards on 11 carries. 
the leading rusher for the Redskins was not AP, not Chris Thompson, but Jamison Crowder? Interesting. Um, It was a mess. It was an absolute mess. And like you heard, like we're going to talk about the additions of these two guys, these two veterans per se. Um, they got some experience in the league, but does this really solve any problems? One thing I do like before I get into you know, the, the, the strict analysis of the additions, I like the urgency. I like how, look, it's week three. Um, Jay Gruden and these guys believe they should be producing at a better rate than they have in these first two games. And I can't say I blame them for working so quickly, but for them to take action in week three means like, look, we got to get this thing going. We believe in this team. We believe in what we can be, the pieces we have here. So we need to do it and we need to do it. Now I can respect that. But you lose out on Josh Gordon. I see. I see. You had a. You were a finalist in that sweepstakes for Josh. You don't get. You don't get. You don't get brownie points for being close, or almost. You didn't land him, and not only did you not land him, the Browns wanted to trade him to an NFC team, but for some reason he ended up in the hands of the Patriots once again. And when I say once again, I mean you know all these these players that may have gone through some type of um, adversity or you know character issues or things of that nature that seem to not make it anywhere else in the league but oh when they go to new england a career revived so um we did see the redskins try to get josh gordon missed out on that sweepstakes so added bashar pyramid and michael floyd now let's just go ahead and say we got an old head in michael floyd and you got a young and you got bashar pyramid um drafted by the reds excuse me not the Redskins, the ravens first pick i believe it was pick 26 by the ravens um the guy was supposed to be very, very good. I mean, he ran a 4.27 on his pro day in 2015, um, but he just hasn't been able to find his niche in the NFL. I mean, his first season, he partially tore his PCL. His second season, he partially tore his ACL. His third season, he had a hamstring injury that hampered him. And then he got last year, or this year, he, he got cut. He got cut from the team. Um, it, it's, it's sad because he had so much potential. I mean, the guy, like I said, he ran the fastest time. He had the fastest 40 time. He caught a, a bunch of passes in college, but he gets to the NFL and just can't seem to fit in. Well, not with the Ravens per se, but he just can't seem to live up to his potential. Is it the injuries? We don't know. He drops a lot of passes. Is that mental? Is that technique? Is, is it structural? Like, what is it? Why can't this talented receiver get it done on the field like i said he's got the frame he's what six three six four um and he can fly even though he's not running a four two seven because of the pcl the hamstring and the acl the guy is still he's tall he doesn't open up his stride a lot which can be a testament to the injuries and also hamstrings i know personally but after playing uh football for what uh 10 11 years of my life uh, when you have injuries like that it's kind of hard to open up and trust your body um to a certain extent anymore so his stride lengths for his size and his height are not elongated as they could be but he's still deceptively fast he runs he runs high i'm going way deeper into this than a lot of you may uh, want or need but you know some people out there like, like to hear this stuff so i'm gonna i'm gonna say i'm gonna get my analysis of what i think should be heard um going into this season he had a drop i can't i can't remember what ravens reporter b reporter um tweeted this out but he had a drop in each of the three offseason practices that were open open to the media during camp um and during preseason he had a 
pass from RG3 that he dropped, an easy pass he, that he dropped in a preseason that led to an interception. And I was doing a little bit of research on him, and I saw that, um, what was it, last, maybe it was a couple years ago, or maybe last year, at the halfway mark, yeah, it was last year at the halfway mark, he was the second most inefficient wide receiver in the National Football League. Just let that sink in. The second most inefficient, not efficient, the second most inefficient wide receiver in the National Football League. So I did, you know, every time a player gets added to the team, you want to see, you know, you're not watching every player in the NFL every snap. So you want to see what the guy's capable of. Took a peek at his highlights. And uh, one thing I did notice is that all his highlights come against teams with bad defensive backfields. I mean, he's making catches against, um, let me see here. Cleveland, Miami, Pittsburgh, New England, and and don't be fooled. I if you know football, you know why the, every team that I just named their DBs are, are are horrible. But if you don't know, I'll remind you. New England Patriots, they started off last season with one of the worst defenses in the NFL. That's not an opinion. That's a fact. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they have always had sort of a chronic DB issue. Um, they brought in Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden was supposed to be the quote-unquote... Oh, no. Excuse me. Talking about the... Um, no, I'm talking about the... Okay, I'm right. I'm right, because I just said the Bronx. Joe Hayden was the quote-unquote savior for that defensive backfield. He came in and got hurt almost instantaneously. And though <laughs> this DB core group of guys was also the group of guys who gave up 50-plus points in a preseason game, the most points given up in preseason history by the Steelers so that that defense backfield is terrible if I say Cleveland you're gonna know that Cleveland has been bad for a very long time they did not win a game last year and they still haven't won a game this year then you got Miami who's just not been atrocious but just maybe lower pack middle of the road so all his highlights come against teams that aren't known for their defense so it's not really a test it's kind of like it's kind of like singing against somebody where I might have not have the best voice but if I'm singing against like a three-year-old well, the three-year-old might still be me. But in principle, if I'm singing against a three-year-old, I should sound better than that child. So it's going to be interesting to see how he bolsters, quote-unquote, this offensive receiving core. One thing I noticed, though, is that these two receivers aren't better than anybody on the team. Let's think about it. Brashad Perriman is not better than Paul Richardson. Hampered shoulder and all. He's not better than Josh Dawson. He's not better than Jameson Crowder. I mean, he might not even be better than Mo Harris. Well, that's debatable. So he's not he's not just gonna come in here and be the number one option. Like, if if you land a guy like Josh Gordon, he'll come in and even not having a full season in what four or five years. He'd come in and be the number one option because he's, if on the field, if not suspended, is the best pure talent on the field with surrounded by guys like Josh Doxson, Paul Richardson III, and Jameson Crowder. But when you bring in a guy like Perriman, who not only is he a young guy, he has never played a full season in the league. It's kind of like, okay, what do we bring this guy here for? Is he just another, you know what I'm saying? He's just like another plug-and-play kind of guy, but he's not going to take the top off any defenses. Like, my question is, what were the Redskins looking with this? And I'm 
the reason I'm not speaking much on Michael Floyd is because I don't see how Michael Floyd fits into the fold. I mean, he's 6'2", 220, got cut from the Saints because Sean Payton wanted him to keep his weight down. He just didn't add anything to that offense. I just don't see how he fits into the Redson scheme. I personally think that the receiving core is not necessarily the problem. They're a problem, but they're not the problem. The play calling from Jay Gruden has been bad. Not only just in week two, but also in week one. You got to remember that the reason the Redskins won week one was because Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson did their thing. Adrian Peterson had the second most carries in the NFL right behind James Conner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And both AP and Chris Thompson went off for 100 plus yards. So that doesn't say anything about the receiver court. Receiver court was not there. And I went on ABC with my girl Aaron Hawksworth. Shout out Aaron Hawksworth and Sports Talk over there. ABC7 News Channel 8. It was not News Channel 8 anymore. It's 24-7 sports. It's all integrated into one. I went on the show last week and I talked about how, like, yeah, they dominated the Cardinals, but the Cardinals are in rebuild mode. That team is not good. All they have is Larry Fitzgerald and and um David Johnson. But other than that, that team is not good. It's they're just they're just not good. It's not me hating or me throwing any shade. That team is just not good. The Redskins were better on paper. I mean, you find a, a better matchup, which I don't believe in any sense of the word that the Colts are elite. They were just a better match. They're about as good as the Redskins. A little less talented, but they're just as good. <clears throat> and I saw a lot of Redskins fans taking shots at the receiving core of the Colts, and I was like, you sure you guys want to do that? I mean, you got to think about it. They got T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton's better than any receiver the Redskins have. Now, after T.Y. Hilton, they have nobody. <laughs> they have Ryan Grant. And Ryan Grant's not the best. Used to be a Redskin. Not the best. Can run some routes. Has some good hands. He's consistent. Just not a, ooh, uh, receiver. But one thing Ryan Grant can do is block. <laughs> and, uh, I'm pretty sure Redskins fans became pretty familiar with Ryan Grant, Grant's blocking ability on Sunday when he had some of those big hits on the Redskins DBs. So comparing that receiving core to the Redskins, they might be better just because T.Y. Hilton is better than anybody on the Redskins receiving core. And he got Andrew Luck compared to Alex Smith. Andrew Luck is the better quarterback. He has the higher ceiling, but... You know, he's coming off an injury, so it's kind of like even. But the Redskins as a whole last week, <clears throat> defense and offense, they did not have it. They never got into a, a groove. Like uh, Alex Smith said, they didn't have the chemistry going. They didn't have the flow. And uh, Jay Gruden even said he just couldn't find a rhythm in his play calling. He just couldn't find a rhythm. Everything was dink and dunk. And that's not the only thing Alex Smith can throw. He broke that stigma last year to a certain extent. He had the most passes completed over 40 yards out of any quarterback in the league. Not Aaron Rodgers. Well, Aaron Rodgers was injured. Not Tom Brady. Not Deshaun Watson. Not Carson Wentz. I'm naming all injured quarterbacks. Cam Newton. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. So, he could throw the deep ball, but he just was not capable of getting to a rhythm. So, everything was underneath. The, the running game was only getting, what, one, two, a pop, maybe three. Nothing was nothing was breaking. They had no we call them explosives. That's where I play at Randolph Macon, where I used to play at. We call them explosive plays. Explosives are plays over 20 yards, 15 to 20 yards. There was not many explosives, and the Colts had a lot of those. And you know, you combine a lack of explosives with a wide receiver being the leading rusher and no consistency in play calling. 
that's pretty much the formula for an L. Oh, oh, on top of that, you got a defense that just couldn't get to the quarterback all day long. Ryan Kerrigan didn't even look like he was playing. They gave up so many third downs, even third down and medium to long they were giving up. So it was just a bad overall day by the Washington Redskins. And I'm not going to sit here and give them the high horse about, oh, the lack of attendance. I'm not going to talk about that. <clears throat> but I will say this. Fans come when the fans believe. Fans come when fans believe. Now, certain outliers here and there, but fans come when fans believe. With a stadium that can hold around 90,000, and they were what, 40, 50, 60,000 deep? That's a lot of empty seats. That is a lot of empty seats. And one thing I can tell you is this. Alex Smith is the one that got the big deal when he got here. Jay Gruden's on the hot seat. And Dan Snyder's not going to take it too fairly with these taps in the pocket he's getting. Yeah, I know he's a millionaire, billionaire. He has all this money, six flags, this, that, and the third. Ticket prices on parking are through the roof. But you're just you're not going to just not sell out tickets and sell out stands and think that Dan Snyder's going to be okay with it. This team supposedly is the best team Jay Gruden has had since he's been here, according to him. So we got to make it work. Flat, simple, got to get it done. We got a game against the Green Bay Packers coming up. Aaron Rodgers is a bad man. So it's going to be a test for not only this Redskins defense, but also this Redskins offense. Now, if the Redskins can beat a Packers team who is, what, 1-0-1, they tied with the Vikings, which we will get to, that would be a quality win for the Redskins. And it would also be a great way to bounce back from sort of not even a trap game, but a game against an opponent that wasn't necessarily inferior, but what the Redskins think they are as a team, they should be better than. Like, if... I would say both of these teams are middle of the pack. Middle of the pack teams. They're not too good. They're not garbage. So they're about middle in the pack. And the Redskins should have won that game or been a little more competitive in losing. But that was a bad loss. So they can redeem themselves. All can be good if they can get a win in Green Bay. But if they fall to one and two heading into their bye week, because you know they got a bye week week four, early bye. So after that, you're playing, what, 11 straight games? 12 straight games? Schedule does not get easier. There's no time for rest. Woo! Well, uh, let's just hop into, I'm going to talk about the Vikings and Packers. Really, really quickly, I have a show in 10 minutes, um, but I just want to talk about one thing I want to talk about, because this is a, many of you may know this or should know this. I'm a D.C. based, not D.C., well, I'm a Virginia based podcaster, sports journalist with a, I guess, a major in D.C. sports. So all these podcasts, if you're first time listening, most of these podcasts will be mainly focused on D.C. teams. And a little bit of national here and there if it if it uh, comes across my radar that I want to talk about it. And also, if I have more time, I will definitely talk about more teams, more sports. So just let me know what formats you want. Do you want me to talk more national? Do you want me to? Talk? We'll, we'll just keep it. Keep you guessing. Keep a good mixture. But D.C. is my specialty. 
But I guess we're still kind of staying in touch because you got Kirk Cousins, who is, oh, excuse me. Kirk Cousins, who is now quarterback of the Vikings, going up against Aaron Rodgers, who is a bad man. All I want to say about this, well, I'll start off with this. I posted a question on Twitter today. And after re-watching the Vikings versus the Packers game and the Redskins versus the Colts, I said to myself, hmm, people wanted Kirk Cousins gone for many reasons. Think about why you wanted him gone. You don't have to tell me. Just think about it. Now, after the, the output on offense, specifically the passing game and the offensive efficiency from the Redskins these past two weeks, this is the question I pose to you. Was the problem Kirk Cousins? Or was the problem a lack of supporting cast? I was one of the guys who was always on Kirk's side when it came to what the Redskins should do moving forward. I believe that they should have retained Kirk. They should have paid Kirk earlier, but he got more expensive as time went on. I can definitely understand that. But Kirk Cousins never had the best supporting cast. You see what he's doing in, in Minnesota. You give him a stud star receiver in Stephon Diggs, a stud receiver in Adam Thielen. And then on top of that, you give him a running back, an offensive line, and a defense. Dalvin Cook, a solid offensive line. And a defense, Anthony Barr. These guys are good. Kirk Cousins looks worth the money. So here's what I'll say really quick. I know it's only two games in. This is what I want to say. The Vikings should have lost that game. First of all, the roughing the passer call from Clay Matthews on Kirk Cousins when he threw that, what, like 60-yard interception, which would have seemingly... Put a nail in the game. The Reds, or not the Reds, the, the Packers would have just kneeled it out or maybe got a first down and then kneeled it out. The game would have been over. Packers win 2-0. That rough in the passer really changed the game. I think I was on Twitter, and if you follow me, at TOQM underscore, make sure you follow me. I said, this, this seems like a rerun of a bad movie. I can't, I can't quite put my finger on it. But obviously, the, what movie I'm referring to is when he was with the Redskins in a late-game situation, could not get the job done. Funny, funny we should talk about this. Right before Kirk Cousins threw the interception, quote-unquote, that was called back because of the uh, rough and the passer, I'm sitting in my, my apartment with my roommate, and I said, Chris, there goes the pick. Before the play even started, he throws the pick. We laugh, and then we're like, whoa, 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 what's going on? Why, is it, why are they calling it back? They call rough and the passer. But I was like, Kirk is going to throw this game away. And he tried. He had three passes on that drive, the game time drive, that could have been intercepted, but weren't. You cannot let one play define the outcome of the game. You go from possibly ending the game with an interception to a rough in the passer to now, okay, well, that costs the game. Well, they still had to go about... 60 70 yards down the field to tie the game up and a two-point conversion so you had an eight-point lead with about 60 yards to defend 
you have to make those stops. You have to make those catches. Speaking of defense uh, of the Green Bay Packers, that's what I'm talking about. You got to make those stops. You got to make those plays. But one thing I like that of Kirk Cousins, he threw some near picks on that last drive. But he led that team up the field. The fade route was beautiful for the two-point conversion. It was quite impressive work, and they did not stop there. In overtime, they moved the ball up and down the field. But the kickers of both teams just could not get it done. Mason Crosby. Oh, and speaking of kickers, Dan Bailey is now a Viking. Lost a job with the Cowboys after he pulled his hamstring, came back, or I think it was his groin, came back, was kicking field goals, not making them. They let him go. He's one of the best kickers in NFL history and one of the best kickers um, these past five, six years. So, I just said all that to say this. I don't think the problem was Kirk Cousins. Only thing that we could put on Kirk Cousins was he did throw more interceptions. But not by a lot compared to Alex Smith. And him in the clutch was hard to watch. But then you have to immediately ask yourself, if a quarterback does not have the talent to get it done when it matters, whose fault is it? It's only a few, a handful of once-in-a-lifetime quarterbacks that you will never see again. Their performances will never be topped. You got... Tom Brady, and Rodgers. They continually get it done with anybody. But even with the lack of receiving help that Tom Brady has had over the years, he's also had the likes of Julian Edelman, Wes Walker, Randy Moss, and now Josh Gordon. If you can say that those players on the same level and caliber as Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson... You should probably cut this podcast off and go evaluate some things about your life. But you see what Kirk Cousins can do when surrounded by a supporting cast of talented guys in a defense that takes a lot of the pressure off of him and a running game that definitely takes a lot of pressure off of him. So enough of that. I want to end this podcast, but not after giving up some awards. I want to give out my week two MVPs. Can I get a round of applause for my week two MVPs? My week two MVPs are Ryan Fitzpatrick and Pat Mahomes. I got two quarterbacks this week. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick, very impressive. Really quick story about my fantasy league. One of my fantasy leagues, Deshaun Jackson, had not been claimed. I think my waiver rank was like eight. Went, claimed him off waivers. Woke up this morning and saw that he wasn't on my team. Went to go check, and the uh, commissioner of the league had Deshaun Jackson. I'm very upset. But... Ryan Fitzpatrick, let's talk about his stats real quick. 78 point, completed 78.7% of his passes, 819 yards in just two games, eight touchdowns, second behind the Pat Mahomes, who has 10 touchdowns on the season, the youngest quarterback to do so in the history of the NFL. Now, really quick, I'm not really going to talk about performance, but I want to talk about kind of like an aspect of the state of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers really quickly. And it's not going to be anything in depth. But Deshaun Jackson came out today and said, you can't take the hot man out, referring to the dilemma, quote unquote, that the Buccaneers would have to face when Jameis Winston is eligible to play again. And if Ryan Fitzpatrick is still playing out of his mind like this. Now, it really makes sense for Deshaun Jackson to say something like this, seeing as though he is the... (laughs) The, he's reaping all the benefits of Ryan Fitzpatrick being his quarterback, and um, especially at Deshaun Jackson's age and his path in terms of what he's gone through with injuries and hamstrings. For him to be performing like this, 
being a, a huge fantasy leader and an NFL leader in touchdowns and yards at this point in his career, of course he he's probably going to say that statement. Like uh, I'm not I'm not reserved about it because you want to go and support the guy that's in the building. Now if Ryan Fitzpatrick wins his game next week, if they go three and zero and he still performs out of his mind. It is absolutely no way in the world you can convince me that they will take out they will take Ryan Fitzpatrick out and insert Jameis Winston. The only way Jameis Winston gets the starting position back is if Ryan Fitzpatrick slows down noticeably and they start losing games. Then you have to put Jameis Winston in for a spark. But if they go three and zero, if they go four and zero with Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jameis, I'm sorry, buddy, you can't get your spot back. You set yourself up. From the day you got, even before he got drafted, he's always had his nose in something. Now he's being sued for groping the Uber driver. <clears throat> I don't want to say it passively like it has no weight to it. These are very serious allegations. It's a very serious issue. And if these allegations are true, it's absolutely disgusting. And it's, it won't be tolerated by, obviously, the legal system, judicial system, but myself or any sensible human being. But we can't just reward, or the Tampa Bay just can't reward, a lack of seriousness and professionalism and a lack of performance on the field. Because James Winston wasn't lighting the scoreboard up when he was, you know, starting for um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I don't see how we can just give him the starting job back, especially if Fitzpatrick continues to play out of his mind. And now the second MVP. One more round of applause for the second MVP. Uh, there it is. Where, where are we at? Second MVP. There you go. You get your little round of applause. You get your time to shine. Second MVP is Pat Mahomes. Now Pat Mahomes right now, he's the he's the new kid on the block. He's the boy next door. He's got the build. He's got the look, the arm, the talent. He's the NFL's highest quarterback right now. Pat Mahomes, man, the guy is 6'3", 225, led, led the Chiefs to the 2-0 record, 582 passing yards, not a single interception. He had six touchdowns last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, NFL record. Ten touchdown passes in the first two weeks, NFL record. I want to give him his due. Pat Mahomes, impressive, my man. Two things I want to talk about. One, consistency. Can he keep it up? Can he keep it going? The guy's young, but he's he's the reason why they got rid of Alex Smith. They felt comfortable getting rid of Alex Smith because they said that we got this guy, Pat Mahomes, that I believe in him. Andy Reid, Chiefs, I believe in him. We believe in him. So we're going to ride with Pat Mahomes, and that's what they're doing. Number two, it makes me think about the Redskins. You got three teams kind of like in the in the mix for like it's kind of like the butterfly effect. They traded for Alex Smith, got him out of Kansas City. Kansas City replaces Alex Smith with Pat Mahomes. Get rid of Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins signs with the Vikings. Now the Vikings are 1-0 and 1. Chiefs are 2-0. The Redskins are 1-1. Both teams, the Chiefs and the Vikings, seem to be primed for a very big year after two weeks. Now, I know it's early, but now look at the player that's kind of like at the epicenter for the most part. Not really the epicenter, but second in command in the offseason 
of this whole trade talk and everything that's going down. That's Alex Smith, and the offense just seems like he can't get it done. I'm saying all that to say this. It's not the quarterback all the time. Quarterbacks need help, too. <laughs> I don't care what quarterback you throw back there for the most part, excluding uh, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. You need – actually, you know what? No. I don't care what quarterback you throw back there. I said it I said it right. Aaron Rodgers has some decent receivers. You have Devontae Graham. You got Randall Cobb. And then – or excuse me, it's Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb. Tom Brady had Randy Moss, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman returning soon. And also, Tom Brady's getting Josh Gordon now. What I'm trying to say is the Redskins can keep trying to address this quarterback situation in whatever fashion they want. But until they start really investing time and energy into maybe a new offensive coordinator, don't want to be the one to say it right now, but maybe an offensive coordinator, that West Coast that Jay Gruden is running looks a little... Little off kilter. I'm not going to make the judgment call too early, but you know, look, he's on the hot seat now, and I'm if I'm if nobody's going to say it, I'm going to say it. I start looking at play calling, offense coordinator. You also have to look at talent. Alex Smith is a very, very good quarterback, a very good quarterback. But the reason he flourished and was in the MVP conversations in since not Cincinnati in Kansas City last year, for at least the first half. Because he had talent. He had Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. All three of those guys leave every Redskins skill position in the dust. They're all better than every player the Redskins have. Arguably, Travis Kelsey and Jordan Reed are neck and neck. But I'm going to always give the edge to Travis Kelsey because Kelsey is healthy and can play games. Jordan Reed has the, the ability to be a top three, top two tight end in the league. But he can't stay healthy. So whatever quarterback they want to put back there. Doesn't matter if they don't have the supporting cast. It's just gonna be my final thought for today. So I didn't want to end on a somber tone, so let's turn it up a little bit. What we're gonna do is we're gonna end it on this. Got a little in my feelings. What I want you to do right now is make sure you subscribe to the Mayo Please Sports Network. Follow me on Twitter at TOQM underscore. And um until next time. It's been your boy Q. Stay safe. Be blessed. Leave a comment down below. And uh, I love you guys. I'll see you in episode 8. Peace. But the new me is really still the real me. I swear you gotta feel me before they try and kill me. They gotta make some choices. They running out of options. Cause I've been going off. And they don't know when it's stopping. And we